0: This podcast will focus on Chapter 2, The Trait Approach to Leadership, from the Text, Leadership, Theory, and Practice, 7th Edition by Peter Northouse. So hopefully if you're moved on to this podcast, you went ahead and blazed through the introductory, the exciting uh, introductory podcast. Um, Trait theory is the first of the many theories we'll be covering here in this class. And uh, you may have heard some about trait theories before. It's certainly a popular A popular conceptualization, a lot of times if you ask people, you know, how how do you define leadership or how do you, you know, when you see a leader, people start to immediately list traits. That's a common uh, technique that people go to. So intuitively, it would make sense that traits are important for leadership. The practicality of that is uh, more nuanced, I would say. So uh, starting starting out, so trait theories became popular in the early 1900s. I mentioned this. In the introductory podcast, they were called the great man theories or great person theories. Um, all the leaders at the time were men. Um, and it focused on, like I said, identifying the innate uh, characteristics that great leaders had. And then based on that, so if I go out and I look at all the great leaders during the 1900, early 1900s, and I make a list of all their qualities, then I try to figure out which qualities do they share in common. And therefore, can I predict who will become a great man or a leader based on these qualities that was kind of the prevailing wisdom did not work that way to this day we have not identified a set of traits that predict great leaders Uh, I'll go ahead and and spoil the ending for you (laughs) Uh, we we never got there so it didn't work that way but it was a a stepping stone and traits are certainly important in leadership it just doesn't work that way from a predictive model Uh, we can look at great leaders and look at traits they have and say that It is unlikely you will be a successful leader if you don't have these traits. However, just because you have these traits does not mean you will be a great leader. It doesn't work that way. Um, So uh, on one of the slides in your deck, you've got a list of the different traits that have been found to be important for leadership uh, throughout the the years by different researchers. And you'll see a lot of overlap, but you'll also see um, some uh, traits that appear in one column that aren't in another column. And sometimes that's because they called things different names. You know, is intelligence the same thing as cognitive ability? Is um, initiative the same thing as achievement? Is dominance the same thing as confidence, right? I mean, like, there, there's all these nuances. So different people use different terms, and you never know if it's the same. It's very convoluted. One of the many reasons why trait theory has not produced uh, successful predictors for leadership. Um, So what we have found uh, at the end of the day in all these trait theories, although we can't predict what traits will lead to someone being a good leader, we do have a pretty good sense of what traits someone needs to exhibit in order to be perceived to be a leader by his or her Colleagues, peers, co-workers, followers, whatever. So think about it this way. Um, you know what it looks like to be presidential, like the President of the United States. So it's easy to say that if someone does not display the characteristics of what we think a president should be, it becomes very difficult to become the president because we won't bestow presidential uh aspirations on that person until they display traits that align with our prototype. Let me give you another example um I love baseball. dustin Pedroya uh plays for the Red sox. I am a red sox fan. He plays second base. Dustin Pedroya is about five foot seven uh maybe eight he's uh kind of pudgy a little bit. he's not particularly muscular looking he's balding. Um, he's not particularly fast, he's not particularly strong. Um, So if you were a scout and you're looking for a prototypical second baseman for the major leagues, you would probably not pick Dustin Pedroia because his traits don't align with what your prototype of a good second baseman looks like. That doesn't mean Dustin Pedroia can't be a great second baseman in major leagues. It means he has to not only perform well, but he has to overcome your original bias against him, right? And it's the same way with leaders. So if you are in a group and you have all of these wonderful qualities that will make you a great leader, but you do not display self-confidence and determination, for example, it's unlikely that someone will select you to be the leader because you don't look and sound like a leader, right? If fair or unfair, that's kind of the world we live in. So, leadership prototype theory came out of this trait theory model, and it basically says that if you don't have intelligence, self confidence, determination, integrity, soci- social ability, some of these things, it's unlikely that, that your followers will elevate you to leadership status until you prove otherwise, right? So, you have to, you have to go above and beyond to get the same. Same breaks. And masculinity is another one that's often associated with this. That's changing some. We'll talk about that when we talk about gender and leadership. But um, historically, the more feminine you acted, the less likely you would be treated as a leader um, early on. Uh, the Big Five model, um, we haven't talked about it in this class before. You it, it, There's a high probability you've been exposed to the Big Five at some point in your life. But... Um, the Big Five model is the most researched and um, validated personality um, um, personality domain um, to, to be put forward um, in, in research. The Big Five consists of five personality dimensions, uh, neuroticism, extroversion, openness, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. And it is believed that all personality traits can be subsumed somewhere within these factors or dimensions so if you think about a trait like you know witty or outgoing or joyful or spontaneous or whatever they would fit within one of these five uh, factors so what we know from the from the research is that extroversion of the five factors extroversion is the one that's most strongly associated with leadership um, and is the most important of the five traits when it comes to de- predicting which leaders will be most effective. Uh, Conscientiousness would be second, then openness, then neuroticism. Agreeableness is is not strongly uh, related to leadership at all, which, and some, some people see that and they're like, wow, you know, I would think you need to be somewhat agreeable to cooperate and be a good leader, but um, most great leaders are pretty, um, I don't want to say stubborn, that's not the right word, but when you think of most of the great leaders you think of, agreeableness is not one of the top things that you think of that makes them great, right? So um, anyway, sidebar. Uh, emotional intelligence and in leadership, that's been a common, you've probably heard of emotional intelligence. It's kind of a popular topic. That's been researched more recently. Um, we talk about emotional intelligence, we're talking about the ability to um, perceive, recognize, um, recognize, <clears throat> um, Identify and regulate your own emotions and others' emotions towards some goal, right? People who are more sensitive to their emotions and the emotions of others are better able to use those emotions to facilitate goal achievement and be effective leaders. Um, there's been some research to support this. Um, it's still early, really, in the life cycle of emotional intelligence in terms of the research. Um, it's defined in lots of different ways. It's still kind of muddy in terms of what is it. Um, but there definitely is some evidence to suggest that emotional intelligence does play a role as a trait in effective leaders. Um, what else? Focusing on the trait approach, you know, there, um, organizations often use personality assessments to look for fit, not just for leaders, but for anybody. If you've been hired for a job, there's a good chance you took a personality profile. Um, I would hope, uh, you know, you maybe took something like a Big Five related profile, hopefully you did not take the Myers-Briggs. This is not a class on Myers-Briggs, but I will just tell you that um, as much as everybody loves the Myers-Briggs, from a validation standpoint, it is lacking, and um, I would not recommend using it for hiring uh, by any means unless you want to um, to, make yourself susceptible to lawsuits. So, in any event, um, personality measures are often used to hire people. They're also used to identify leaders sometimes, the problem is, like I said, there's not a unifying set of traits that we say, oh, if they have these traits, they'll be a great leader. It depends so much on you know, what the role is, what the context is, what the situation is, who the followers are, what the goals are, what the organizational culture is. All these things matter to determine what traits are going to make for an effective leader in any given situation. So, like I mentioned earlier, the strengths of the trait approach, it's intuitively appealing. People like it. It makes sense. Um... It's been around a long time. Some of the downsides, you know, we don't have, uh, we still have not been able to come up with a list of traits after 100 years that say these are the traits that always brick leadership. Um, and it's not really that useful for training and development because the, the prevailing wisdom, wisdom is if you are low on extroversion, because it's a trait, we can't really teach you to be extroverted. Now, I can teach you to behave in ways that look more extroverted. But I can't make you inherently a more extroverted person, right? Because that's a part of who you are. It's a trait. So that's kind of a limitation of of the um, trait theories.